You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 104 of the Comic Book Informer podcast for your comic release week of December 19th, 2012. As usual, I'm your host, Vince, along with Roger. What's up today, man? You planned that out very, very well. I am getting good at this. Really, you know, it only took you 104 episodes to get into your groove, but now that you're there, (laughs) smooth, man. Very smooth. (laughs) I've noticed the more exhausted I am, the The better better I am at the intros because I just turn off my brain and kind of flow with it. See, the more medicated I am, the better I do. (laughs) I've clearly learned from the best. (laughs) All right. So, of course, we still have a whole bunch of number ones to talk about this week. But before we get there, there's another comic. (laughs) Huh? What? Oh. When do we not? That's all we're getting is number ones lately. <laughs> Speaking of which, did you see um, the new Skull Kickers that was announced? No, I didn't. In March, Savage Skull Kickers number one. <laughs> uh, you'll have to send me the picture. That is awesome. God, I love you. Now, in fairness, that A, is a joke, but B, it's also an homage to Savage Dragon, which is te- celebrating its 20th anniversary at Image Comics, too. So... I don't care. More freaking skull kickers. I don't care what number it is or whatever. Just more of the same. That's all I want. The, the solicit is, again, hilarious. They're like, it worked out so well with our adjective last month. We tried. To, <laughs> to try it's like, and don't worry, this is going to be the perfect jumping on point for new readers. Even more perfect than last month. <laughs> oh, Zub, we love you, man. You know what? He better not get his bridges too high over a DC because I certainly don't want skull kickers to end. So that's, well, that's he said it was going to end. So, well, not for a while yet. They're about halfway there. Yeah. So that's still quite a while. Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> before we get into the number ones, there's another comic I wanted to touch on this week, and that's Extreme X-Men, which uh, we've mentioned over the last several months. And it was OK. You know, it was fun. It wasn't really doing anything fantastic, especially given the storyline it was based on from Astonishing X-Men, which we both absolutely loved. So we were kind of waiting for it to kick in. Like, okay, we gave it a few issues of just, you know, their fun adventures, jumping across the the dimensions. And I think issues six and seven, which we're discussing today, are really going to be kind of the make or break point for the comic. I know at least for me, because this is when we finally get a lot of you know, backstory and character development. So Extreme X-Men, uh, issues six and seven, written by Greg Pak, uh, Artwork by Steven Segovia, Raul Valdez, and a freaking army of inkers and colorists. We'll be here the rest of the episode listing them all. A lot of people worked on these issues. But this is where we finally figure out what's up with Kurt, our our, our little kid nightcrawler that we love so much. What did you think of it? Dude, loved it. That's the thing, too. When we were talking about this uh, early on, um, I mean, for the majority of the cast, when you're looking at it, well, we're... Not really thrilled with the Dazzler kind of thing. And in my opinion, she's still kind of... She's had her moments to shine here. <laughs> but um, um, but uh, not that great. The Howlett character has been interesting. And of course, the more we're reading about him and his torrid affair with Hercules. Hercules is my boyfriend. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. I love that. Um, 
But anyways, the the more we're reading, that's going to be a little bit more interesting as it's going along too. But of course, the and the Xavier character, man, well, not too much. But what, what do you what do you want out of a floating, floating Xavier head, head? Really. <laughs> but the Kid Kurt, I mean, it's all about that Kid Kurt character, and even the just the few moments that we glimpsed in those earlier issues too. He had the moment to shine there as well. But these two issues, I was like, oh my freaking lord. They were fantastic. They were really well written. Again, not a concept that we are, you know, we aren't used to, of course, with the the robot apocalypse coming on <laughs> with danger leading the pack. I love that. <laughs> um, so it's nothing new, but I liked how it was handled. I liked how um, the team, with the exception, of course, of, of Xavier, but the team really is like, no, we're taking care of our, our own. When he jumps out in uh, issue five, it would have been when he jumps out of the stream because he sees his parents kind of thing. Um, so it's like they're sticking together. So they're they're kind of coming together fairly well as a unit. It's still a fairly small unit. They haven't added anybody yet. So it's hard to tell if we'll get more from the little spoiler at the end of seven. Um, but no, I like how the dynamics are going between the characters more. And the story was through these two issues solid. I really loved what we read here. Mm-hmm. So it flashes back to before everything going on, not just in extreme, but also in uh, astonishing X-Men where, you know, Kurt's back in his home dimension in the United States of California, California. <laughs> with his, his idol Spider-Man, how great their world is. Cause they have robots and jetpacks and everything's fantastic. Unless you're a poor little 12 year old blue kid. <laughs> you can feel so bad for him because it, this, this, this advanced society, you know, all these great things, mutants are cool. Nobody cares if you're a mutant, but there's always that, you know, there's always that kid that's going to get picked on and it has to be poor Kurt. And he has a little robot buddy and like, oh, why do you like robots so much? Like, because robots don't treat me any different than they do anybody else. And I was like, man, that's that that was like a nice little bit. And then you see him caged up because the robots don't treat him any different from anybody else. Yeah, the the. The foreshadowing is really well done there. Like when you're seeing it, it turned to crap so fast <laughs> with the robots there. And, uh, and no, it was, it was fantastic. And, and little kid Kurt with his freaking Spider-Man lunchbox, dude, my God, <laughs> I need a little plushie of that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so this leads into this whole political discussion that's going on because as danger, who is the leader of the earth robots now, uh, mentions the intergalactic whatever the powers that be let's just put it that way recognizes that the robots are now you know the rightful rulers of earth they exterminated humanity that was terrible but let's move forward and you know the robots they're now in charge of earth most of them are nice people They, they weren't around during the war they've been built since so this whole political thing going on of, oh, now we have an actual resident. The robots want to exterminate him, but, oh, you can't because, you know, it's kind of his planet too. So a lot of interesting stuff going on in there. I think it, I kind of lost it a bit. It was just a lot of discussion going on when, you know, I'd rather see Dazzler and Howlett punching more robots. But then you had that great point of, you know, the the robots are, you know, people too. They're you didn't kill any of them, did you? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> we might have damaged a few. <laughs> see i liked it though i i liked that there was um 
there was less of just the punching people in the face or stabbity oh, stabbity yes. thing, and there was a lot more going on behind the scenes with this. So there was a lot more to the story than just let's just bounce in, kill Xavier, and get out. I there, and it was nice too because it is Kurt's home world. So here they are bouncing all over the place willy-nilly to places that are completely foreign to them. And then all of a sudden, this is actually really pertinent. This means something. Like all the other ones, that's something that I had said before too. It's hard to get attached to the alternate versions of themselves because they are, you know, you're only seeing them for one issue, maybe two kind of thing. But this this is Kurt's home world and he's the character we care about the most. And it's gone to crap in such a bad way. So I I don't know. I personally really, really liked it. I I don't think I would have wanted more of Howlett and uh and Dazzler. I wanted more of just Kurt for this. Well yeah. I, whatever. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> there was a thought in there somewhere, but it probably wasn't gonna come together. But then what happens when Kurt finally finds his parents? Because he's been communicating with them you know, he's on his little holographic device. And he finally tracks them down and finds out they're just holograms because his parents were one of the lead creators of the you know robotic race. So the robots captured them and then not dissected because that would mean they were dead first. Vivisected them to see exactly, you know, what made them tick and to study their own creators. And oh my poor Kurt. Oh my God. It was heart wrenching for me reading it for Christ's <laughs> Not only that, but you know, this is when they realize that, you know, Kurt's gonna go and there's still a lot of animosity between, you know, the first generation robots and the humans because of the war and this and that. And the animosity and just the pure venom the danger had danger, in yeah. that conversation. Hatred for Kurt and just wanted to couldn't kill him, couldn't touch him, but just wanted to ruin him in every way possible. Oh my god. Yeah. No, Danger was phenomenally written in this. I, But then we've seen her in some of the other stuff as of late, too, especially the stuff that was in. Okay, now I can't remember because it was the freaking Phoenix stuff, so I don't know where it appeared. But where she was dealing with that all-powerful robot. Mm -hmm. I think it was Uncanny X-Men. It might have been, yeah. So it, we really saw her do well in there as well. Like, I mean, she has potential to really be an interesting character. So what do you do when your parents have been murdered and your entire race is gone? Poor Kurt lashes out, launches hundreds of missiles, completely wipes the city off the map. You know, only to find out, hey, they're robots. They just downloaded a backup copy of their consciousness into another body. And like, you knew that, right, Kurt? And it's just and they left it hanging. I mean, of course he didn't. He wanted his revenge. And then he couldn't even have it. They, they took the one thing he could have and pulled it away from him. I, poor Nightcrawler, man. You <laughs> know just, what? That's what this entire story keeps coming down to. Is it gets worse and worse for him. Which is going to be then interesting to see what he's going to do with that character now. Because there's no way in hell after having gone through all of this that he should be the same kid. He shouldn't even be a kid anymore in a lot of different ways. So writing the series forward now, we should get a very, very different, somewhat hardened kid Kurt Kurt Wagner. So I'm really curious now to see where they're going to go with this. Okay, I'm actually hoping they come back to this reality at some point. And this is something I just kind of came up with, you know, thinking about this story, preparing for the show. In almost every reality, Kurt's mother is Mystique. 
And we didn't see that here. So yeah. oh, I'm wondering if there's something else going on here. And I really hope there there is something else going on here that they can come back to later. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where... Um, there's so much that he can do with this because they're going to, you know, anywhere he wants to take it. It's the magic closet kind of thing. But in, in two issues, he's created this phenomenal world where so much can still happen. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. It'd be interesting if they, they do something more with it. And in these two issues, we actually did see a small expansion of the team with uh, Sage joining up, uh, who, my God, she's... Com- almost completely unknown character, but th- it actually is the uh, sage from the regular Marvel universe. So the same universe that Dazzler comes from. So it, I mean, literally out of nowhere, I have no idea what this character has been doing for the last several years. The last time I saw her was in the previous extreme X-Men series, which was like 2003, I think. So it was a random character to throw in there, but I have to assume there's some reasoning behind it. I just want to see the next issue to see what's going to happen when when they get ported back in and this world's Hercules is waiting for them. I just want to see stars <laughs> in Logan's eyes. <laughs> and then we actually had a, uh, a point one issue come out last week just to briefly, briefly touch on it. And it was kind of, yeah, okay, we had to see this coming at some point where they ended up back in the regular Marvel Universe. And they're like, oh, there's no Xavier here. This universe must have already killed their evil Xavier. <laughs> And then, of course, realizing everything that happened, they're working alongside Cyclops. And it was it was different. It, it was a point one issue. I don't really expect much from those, but it, it was what a sad statement. Yeah. <laughs> For Marvel marketing people, listen, okay, that because a lot of people feel the same way. It, it was it was an interesting take on the situation. It's something they had to explore at some point. So it was it was all right. All right, so for our number ones this week, uh, of course, all from Marvel, because thank you, Marvel. <laughs> We're starting off with Avengers number one, Jonathan Hickman and Jerome Opeña. I really love the concept of what they were working with here of, you know, the Avengers need to be bigger. And, you know, that's this whole thing. They're going to have characters all over the place. But I love what they did because one of the driving forces behind Marvel now is to get people who love the movies to pick up the comic books. They're, they're trying to make as many parallels between character designs and story structures as they can. So this comic starts off with the movie team of the Avengers, sends them off into space and has them get their butts whooped immediately, basically just sending Captain America back to Earth. It's kind of the way of saying, hey, you know all those characters you love? Well, they got their butts kicked. But here's a whole bunch of other characters that are just as amazing and hopefully you'll come to love too. I was kind of on the fence about this one. I I don't know. Maybe it's because of who they're introducing as the villains and things like yeah. that and, and where the story is going kind of thing. And and the fact that that is the freakiest looking Hulk I've ever seen, I think. <laughs> he looks like this freaking dork if you took the geekiest looking guy and just hulked him out. I he, he, he looks a lot like, you know, the old 60s Hulk is what he looks like. Man, but I don't know. I was kind of on the fence about this one. It so really the, didn't the, the, draw me in. The issue itself, the story, I didn't feel was the strongest, but the the concept that they're working with here, like I said, how they're presenting the entire team of Avengers to potential new readers. I liked that. And I, I, I agree with you there, but what I'm saying too is, it wasn't just in terms of the story, but also in terms of how it was written 
and how it bounced around all over the mm-hmm. place. And I mean, I'm not going to be a fanboy for Hickman and then, you know, say that everything's great. No, sometimes I'm not going to like it. And quite frankly, this one, again, I was on the fence and I, I do feel like the writing was off. It was it was all over the place. And I don't th- know if it was trying to be too grand because it's the noon one and everything else. And it's, listen, we're setting up huge story arcs and everything. I don't know if that's what it was or or what, but I, I didn't feel that it was nearly tight enough a story. Yeah, I, I think they they had too much story that they wanted to tell in a single issue. I mean, they broke one of your cardinal rules of, you know, show, don't tell, where they're rocketing into space to retaliate against an attack, which we didn't ever see. So, yeah, it, it, there there were some definite story and pacing issues. But I said conceptually, uh, I like I liked it. Yeah, I'm interested to see where it's going to go. And of course, knowing Higman's pedigree. <laughs> I've got faith that he knows what he's gonna, he's doing and it'll get better. It's just that as a first issue, I was disappointed and I'm still on the fence as to whether or not I actually even liked it. And I do have to say, Jerome Pena, love his work. I mean, he was instrumental to getting Uncanny X-Force off the ground and his work with Remender there was fantastic. I just don't know if he's a very good fit personally for Avengers. Like, I love his style. I don't know if that's really a style that fits... You know, a major, you know, top tier traditional superhero book. I actually didn't mind it. I liked it. The I, only I didn't thing say I didn't like, like it. Freaking I, just Hulk. I just don't know if it's a fit for what Avengers, you know, right. should be, at least in my perception. And I think that, especially as of late, because of some of the other ones that I've we've seen and how we're seeing different matchups for different artists and different uh, writers and whatnot and different series, I'm actually... I'm all right with that. I'm enjoying seeing different people tackling them mm-hmm. instead of always the same, except don't ever change freaking Spider-Man. <laughs> but everybody else, it's fair game. But no, I I like this. Again, my only complaint is freaking the Hulk. It was just the craziest, stupid looking Hulk I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, he, he looked an awful lot like original Hulk, yeah. and that's not necessarily a not good a thing. Not a good thing, no. All right, so moving on, we have Thunderbolts number one from Daniel Way and Steve Dillon, and I... I had no use for this issue. I didn't either. <laughs> I mean, I I don't even know if I like what they're trying to do with the comic of, you know, General Ross going around, gathering up his team of, you know, the people who can do what, you know, the regular heroes can. Basically, he's making an Avengers version of the X-Force is exactly what's happening here. And that's all this entire issue was, was him going around and talking to people, talking to the Punisher, talking to Deadpool, uh, talking to Elektra. Although I, I did kind of like his exchange with uh, Venom just because I, I like that character. But I mean, overall, it was there is really no point to this thing. entire yeah. issue. Same thing we've seen how many times it really was an original. And I didn't like the way that it was handled either. I don't know. And frankly, I don't know that he's a strong enough character to be the leading force behind I don't think he is. This. So and so, no, I it kind of really dragged on. I didn't like the trope that they were trying to use with, with, you know, the bad guys are all coming for you any moment and you're chained to this fucking post kind of thing. So I really didn't like, and the art, I didn't like it. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it was bad. It was, no, it was bad. You can say it. Go ahead. You can say it. <laughs> it, it was, it was very awkward. I did not like it at all. All right. So we're, no need to dwell on that one. Uh, I like the, the f- cover. Huh? I like the cover. The cover was nice. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it was, we, we were talking about the, yep. the upcoming Mardell. I was like, I really like the cover. <laughs> cover was very stylish, but that's about as far as it goes. Can't judge a book by its cover, clearly. All right, so the last number one we're talking about this week, that is Cable and X-Force uh, by Dennis Hopeless and Salvador LaRocca. I really want to give this at least one more issue. I mean, there's there's a comic here that I could like. I just don't know if we're there yet. I'm trying to think if I could say anything else that would wrap it up better than that, and I don't think that I can. I, I think that's about it. Unfortunately, like... I'm not a huge cable fan. Neither am I. So, but that being said, I was not a big Hawkeye fan <laughs> until the freaking series. And now I absolutely adore him just in that series. Of course, everywhere else, he's still a douche. Hey, um, cable as a character really grew on me during his last solo series where he was traveling through the timeline with uh, baby hope and then kid hope. And it, he grew on me. I don't, I wouldn't say like, I, I like the character, but I, I, don't hate him as much as I used to. <laughs> yeah, see, I, yeah, I, he's still not someone that I particularly like. Hope, I only really liked Hope when she was with her team. Mm -hmm. Then it was interesting, and then she was the one that was uh, leading and things like that. Although even then, like when we saw her stuff in um, the Phoenix stuff, while well, she was getting to be a little brat at points, and so it was like, eh. I'm not that crazy about that character. Domino kind of gets on my nerves every once in a while just because she's such a, it's just, yes, we know you're lucky. Stop telling us. <laughs> we get it. So there's, there's different. Well, we didn't see any of that here, at least you know, in this one issue. So I don't know The most of the characters really aren't ones. I like the doc. <laughs> oh, Dr. Nemesis. When, when Dr. Nemesis is like Deadpool. When a good writer has a hold of him, he's a blast. Yeah. So, so overall, really, I was reading this and was like, there was a few moments I was like, oh, okay, that wasn't bad. But I, I loved when they were making fun of Cable's little gimpy arm. Yeah. And you know, and he just flops around now. Or when Forge gives him the new arm and he's like, you expect me to wear that? And he's like, have you seen what you've worn in the past? So there were some fun moments here. The one thing I did like about this, especially compared to Thunderbolts, was the way the team kind of comes together organically. You know, it's not, hey, I'm putting a team together. Cable approaches Forge because he needs a new arm. He doesn't know anybody better to build him a new arm. He goes to Dr. Nemesis because he needs a crazy mutant brain doctor. And, well, there's no better crazy mutant brain doctor. Domino shows up because, because of hope. So it's not, hey, I'm putting a team together. It's, it's kind of forming around. And I'm really interested to see how they're going to bring Colossus into this fold. Because, as everybody knows, I absolutely love Colossus. I agree. I agree. This is one of those where you've got a couple of issues to win me over. But after that, it's going to be a hard sell. And I hope we do see more of uh, the Uncanny Avengers showing up because there's that definite dynamic there of Havoc is Cable's uncle. And you know, that's why, you know, he was, wasn't was as aggressive as Cap wanted him to be. And I, I loved down. when he told him to stand, Cap to stand oh, down. That was, that awesome. was hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was good. And I'm definitely going to give this at least a couple more issues just because I have always loved LaRocca's artwork and he didn't disappoint here. All right, so that's all of our number ones, and I say our number ones because I still have one for what we're reading. I didn't make you read Avengers Arena. Well, I read it anyway. <laughs> well, let me have my piece, and then you can uh, say what you want. I didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, okay, the concept is pretty cliched, you know, of gather the kids together, you know, battle to the death. I was like, but 
I'm going to give it a shot because I do legitimately like a lot of the characters in here and I want to see what they do with it. And it, it, it was so cliched of everything that happened here. The only good thing I found in this entire comic was I loved Arcade's redesign visually. I mean, he, I still don't care about the character. I just loved the actual visual flair of the character. Uh, he looks he's always like been Carrot kind Top. of a dork. Carrot huh? Top in a freaking white trench coat. I just, he looked a lot cooler here than he ever has in his entire history. Yeah. But I mean, it, I had no use for this issue and it was really disappointing because I was hoping I would like this. It was terrible. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was bad. <laughs> so there, there's, there were two ways they could have gone with the series of, okay, let's put all these kids together on this island, a lot of fan favorite characters, and just tell some interesting stories by putting these characters into new situations. Or we could put a whole bunch of fan favorite characters here and sell a bunch of issues by killing them off every month and having people yell at us and outrage equals sales. And I think that's what we got. Moving I got on, nothing because, else. I, I'm yeah, gonna, it, it was bad. I did not like it. As I've been saying the last few weeks, I'm giving Valiant Comics a shot. I, I judged them pretty harshly <laughs> off the bat and just kind of wrote off the entire line. We talked last week. Still don't like Exo Did they Manifold. email you? Stop being so mean to us. <laughs> I was like, okay. Still giving them a fair chance. Read the latest issue of Bloodshot. And kind of how we talked last week, you can tell this was something that was created in the 90s because it still carries a lot of that flair and story concept with it. Whereas Exo Man of War was at least trying to be a little more modern, Bloodshot is something that I seriously feel like I could have picked up this issue in 1996 and it would not have felt out of place. And that's not a compliment. I did not like this one bit at all, top to bottom. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Still like Archer and Armstrong, though. So Yeah, that's something. <laughs> it's, it's not a total loss, but... I'm beginning to feel that my uh, initial judgment of the entire comic line wasn't exactly uh, out of place based on what I've seen so far. And what have you got for us this week? Hopefully something good. Oh, dude, the freaking Batman stuff going on. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, my God. This is okay. You want to know how good this has been, folks? <laughs> OK, I am enjoying Suicide Squad right now. <laughs> That's how good this story has been. I actually, I was going to talk about that last month. Or, no, it wouldn't have been last month. Well, when the when issue 14 came out. Yeah, last uh, month. Yeah, because I talked about all the other ones, but I didn't talk about Suicide Squad. Um, but it was actually very good because we're dealing, of course, with Harley and what's going on between her and the Joker. And I think that the stuff that's been going on between Harley and the Joker has been as interesting, if not more interesting mm -hmm. than the stuff that's been going on between the Joker and Batman or the Joker and anybody else right now. Because this wasn't the usual Harley we've seen of, oh, Mr. J's not around. She's just kind of hanging out. No. She moved on with her life while the Joker was gone, and he don't like that. Well, not only that, but she doesn't like who he has become. Obviously, mm. and who can blame her? <laughs> so we're seeing a lot more stuff here where obviously he wants to transform her so that she is like he is right now, which is just off his rocker, uh, even more, more so than, so than, than normal. Usual. Yeah. And uh, he wants to take her face off and all this other stuff. And then at the end of 15, you see him locking her up with a whole bunch of other Harleys that he's saying, you weren't the first one kind of thing, which that kind of came out of nowhere for me. And it was like, okay, well, 
I'm not sure about that. It's I don't recall. Probably just a, a ploy. Yeah, but. because I don't recall any other Harleys. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. Um, but still, it, it was still enough, and then she she manages to get out. But no, the 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 rest of the team, notwithstanding the Suicide Squad, just the stuff between her and Joker, um, really, really, actually, quite interesting. I it was really it's worth reading. Um, and then, of course, Batman number fifteen, where we're seeing more of what is going on. And man, some of these freaking alt covers! <laughs> wow, <laughs> when he's holding up the face and he's actually oh, that, in the dark. Is, I want a poster. Of that. I so want that somewhere. <laughs> it's just creep the crap out of me. Um, and it just the artwork has been so good on this. And uh, like f- this one has been really good. We're getting more insight into what's going on. We're seeing what's going on with him and the team as well. Um, The art has been so good. My only complaint with the art has been that they make Batman look too young. When you're seeing him, Bruce Wayne, in with the rest of the team, he looks like he's as their age. Same age as Nightwing kind of thing. So that's... Listen... Chronology and DC are yeah, not well, two know. concepts that should be put together if you want to keep your sanity. Yeah. And, uh, oh, man, when he has a dream <laughs> and it's freaking the 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 Joker as, as Alfred. Or if it, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but, no, great issue. And then the Batgirl as well, what's been going on there with the, the wedding things um and her mother being held the the last issue was phenomenal we had talked about that gail did such a good job and 15 you know what you read this read 14 and 15 and then remind yourself that dc let her go took her (laughs) off of this that that there will give you an impression of how management is at dc right now because it is fantastic so I don't know if you read those as well. Yeah, I, I finally went back and read 14, then I did read 15 and totally agree. Yeah, just oh, good, good stuff. Uh, Fantastic Four, number two. All set up, but still good, but all set up at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's at the point where now number something's three, <laughs> yeah, something big is going to happen. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And then just to close out the um, the the ultimate... Iron Man and the regular Iron Man. They're they're very close in numbers. We got three and uh, four. The um, regular one is continuing on with what's going on with the um, extremist stuff and the... um, Hold on one second here. I'm just pulling it up. And yeah, so we got (laughs) yet more of Greg Land's (laughs) <laughs> reconstituted Listen, people have been asking Gillen because I think it was issue four when he had that conversation with Pepper where she's asking him does all the, do all the girls yeah. look the same yeah. to you <laughs> and people were asking her like were you taking a shot at Greg Lamp there and he's like no of course not and yeah you were like, <laughs> he knew going in what he was going to be working with <laughs> i don't think he picked land i think that was kind of chosen for him because <laughs> yeah i'm actually looking at that page and right now he, <laughs> he said greg land draws this comic the way i feel tony sees the world yeah tony doesn't see much distinction between you know all the random women around him and i, I actually really like that he's been saddled with this terrible artist and he's actually writing the terrible art into the story <laughs> <laughs> make it work <laughs> 
Um, that being said, the I enjoyed this issue more than all of the prior ones. I thought it was actually really good. Did you read it mm-hmm. yet? Yes, of course. Yeah, I actually really quite enjoyed it. And because like, again, here we see Greg Land actually had to draw some things. Yeah, <laughs> they were good. They were damn good. The um, of course, some of the blondes all look the same, <laughs> like the other ones. Um, but no, I I really liked it. And then the again, seeing a little bit of the humanity. Because he has to kill them. Although, again, at the end, some of the expressions he has on his face when he's having that conversation and he's like smug and you're going, you just had to murder how many women and you've got this smug look on your face. Because it starts off so, for lack of a better term, sober, where he's talking about looking at the bottles and all that. And it was that bad. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be really kind of... Yeah, he just had to, head, moment. had to set the suit on basically autopilot to kill the yeah because he couldn't do it. And then you get the smug panel, and you're going like, oh. Anyways, um, but still, it was actually a really good episode or issue. I, I enjoyed it. And then Ultimate Comics Iron Man uh, number three. Did you get a chance to pick that one up? I read the first issue, and it didn't do it for me, so I haven't carried on. I'm at the point where I'm very, very close to where you are now. Um, I'm I'm not really digging what they're doing with the character, although it's not really that different than what we've seen him in, you know, variety of other things. But I, the story has gotten to the point where it's getting a little old for me now. The this Mandarian stuff and whatnot. It was like eh, I'm just about had it with it. So I might read the next one, but. This might very well be the last one. So the the ultimate line has always worked best when you just keep it simple and keep it to the core series. Whenever they try to start expanding, they usually end up screwing something up. Yeah. I'm not so sure that I agree with that, but this storyline <laughs> isn't working. Yeah, well. And just lastly, I, I finally finished off the entirety. We were just talking about Witch Doctor, and I had said that I'd only read part of it. I hadn't finished it all. I finished it all. It's even better than I thought. <laughs> I just I, start to finish. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. So, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to the rest of those. All right. Well, as for this week's new releases, because of the holiday, it looks like Marvel decided to release two weeks' worth of comics in one week because deep breath. We have A plus X number three, all new X-Men number four, Avengers number two, Avengers Arena number two, Cable and X-Force number two, Captain America, guess, yeah, number two, Captain Marvel number eight, FF number two, Hawkeye number six, Indestructible Hulk number two, Secret Avengers number 35, Thor God of Thunder number three, Thunderbolts number two, Ultimate Spider-Man number 18, Ultimates number 19, the final issue of Uncanny X-Force number 35, Venom number 28, Wolverine and the X-Men number 22, X-Factor number 249, X-Men Legacy number three, and Extreme X-Men number eight. Thank God we have two weeks to read that. We're not talking about any of those next week. (laughs) All right, from DC, we have Birds of Prey number 15, your Death of the Family tie-in if you really, really want to read them all in Catwoman number 15, Green Lantern number 15, Hellblazer number 298, some more Death of the Family tie-ins with Nightwing and Red Hood and the Outlaws number 15, and also Wonder Woman number 15. And to round out the list, from IDW, we have Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, number 12. And from Image, Happy, number 3, Saga, number 8, and Where is Jake Ellis, number 2. 
So <laughs> that's all from us here at Comic Book Informer. We are actually taking next week off due to the Christmas holiday. Although, don't worry, everybody else is taking the week off too. Uh, basically, all we're getting next week is some late shipping titles from DC with Aquaman and Justice League. And Marvel's releasing one comic next week, and that's Amazing Spider-Man number 700 because Dan Slott wants to ruin your Christmas. <laughs> But as always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. See you in two weeks. With a phenomenal issue. Fantastic episode. We're starting off the new year in style. That's all I can say. We ended the year in style the way I see it. Okay. But we're starting even better because I'm going to be doing episode 105. (laughs) 